podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Anfield Wrap in association with Redsbet. Redsbet partnering the Anfield Wrap through 2018. 50% of their profits, i.e. your losses, go to fan-related causes, Liverpool supporter-related causes and ideas. Uh, so if you do gamble, do so with them. If you don't, absolutely fine. That's not what this is about. And no matter what your status is, be gamble aware. Uh, it is, though, the Anfield Wrap. It is Neil Atkinson, David Lynch, Paul Senior and Rob Gutman uh, with you to talk predominantly about Liverpool 3, Southampton 0. And David Lynch, my first thing about Liverpool 3, Southampton 0. It's the extent to which that sort of result, regardless of performance, almost feels like the new normal. Yeah, it was. It, I mean, in a way, it was more straightforward than a lot of games this season because they seem to have, despite Liverpool's good performances, have been a lot more tight than that. Yep. But um, but yeah, it was it was as routine as it comes. Really, they didn't really get out of first gear, did they? And the team turns up at Anfield and. You remember even a couple of seasons ago, you'd be like, "Oh, this one looks like a tough one." You know, Southampton picked up many results. Maybe they'll they'll really dig in here, and Liverpool just just battered them. Really, didn't they? It was it was straightforward. It's the speed with which Paul, you get the impression like Southampton have half took it. They've half took it when he picks his team, when he picks targets, and when he picks Romeo. They've half took it. You know, maybe when he can't pick Ings, they, they sort of just take it when it goes two nil. There's no. They, they actually, I think Southampton actually played quite well and they have a couple of little flurries in the game but there is just this sort of acceptance of we're turning up here to get beats let's hope it's just not that bad Yeah and you know you, I think you said on the uh, the video in the, in the segment in the video that you, you were wondering what he was going to do with the Danny Ings counter and I thought surely he just plays Austin you, I mean, you come into Anfield what, what have you got to lose you know it's a free hit really no one's I think in the in the in the preview shows for the game with the Anfield Rap and other other media bits, no one was expecting Southampton to do to do anything. So go go and put a cat amongst the pigeons and play Charlie Austin or you know play Gabbiadini and have a go. And they didn't. They played Romeo. They really they, they didn't show up at all. I was quite quite disappointed in Southampton that it wasn't really a game. I, I actually thought we were in for a bit of a contest to be honest with you, and they really didn't show up. I think we can think it's a free hit, Rob, and I, mm. I would often use that sort of language as a free hit. I think that the worry for these teams, and we haven't done it, and that's why it is interesting, but we haven't delivered the the 6-0 against someone, not for a while now. Mm. But I think there's a big thing with the way in which they approach these matches. Like They just don't want to be the side that the 6-0 happens to, that the idea that you could... Um, if you're Mark Hughes, for instance, you remember Stoke going to Manchester City around this time last season, getting done 7-2, mm. and maybe feeling like you never get your season back. I wonder if that's what we're dealing with here. The sides who are coming and they're just thinking, can, I, can we just limit the damage? Yeah, and I think it happens a bit to sides like Brighton last season, they had a lively start and then get turned 5-0 on their own ground by us. And... So I think there's I think there's something in it. Um, I I think the way they looked at it, I, mean, I can see Paul's point of view about you have a go. Why not? What the what the hell? But then again, they've got a guy in their dressing room. Although he doesn't play Danny Ings, who they turn to and they go, "So Danny, what's the, what's the skinny on the Reds?" Right? <laughs> and he goes, "Do you know what they don't like? They don't like they don't like to have to plow through a web of a sea of players. They don't like you sitting deep, which do good teams do? They all want you to come at them. That's the bottom line." And I think, I'll take Neil's point as well about the, it not being a free hit because they're hurt by that draw against Brighton in the week. They, that If they got themselves up and running with that three points, I think then they go, yeah. But I think they thought, we've just got to find some way of getting something here. But it did make them too conservative. And also, you know, I don't know what it's a signifier of, but when you start with two soft goals, we did, our first two goals are soft. They're a sign of a team really getting, you know, getting beyond their whatever. I mean, that go back to you, Rob. It's a clumsy own goal, a set piece goal, and then a rebound from a set piece goal. However good the set piece was, it's yeah. still a re, it's still one when it just bounces off the crossbar and our lad gets there first. If you if you are Hughes, if you are Southampton, you go, well, they haven't had to cut through us. Mm. And that's what what's really, you know, they, they haven't had to move through the gears. They're just this much better than us. They haven't had to cut through us and they haven't had to move through the gears. And to, to go in 3-0 down under those circumstances is just like, oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that destroys you, I think. And I think that's why we get the second half we get, which is damage limitation from their point of view. Because they think if this gonna, once they cut through us, then God knows what can happen. The irony is, is we do cut through them quite nicely a few times and we don't get those goals, do we? I mean, the one that sticks in the mind is the one where Salah's just about, he should, should have gone with his right and goes with his left and, get, and there's a block on it. And there's the, the delicious one where he ends up back healing it after, after he's beautifully put away, is it by Firmino? 
So they could have been. They, they were lucky, I think, in a sense, not to have conceded those goals. But, <laughs> but any neutral watching him back on match of the day, if I was a City fan, I'd go, oh, come off it. They don't need goals like that. Paul, there's, there's, there's something in the, the winning while not playing well thing, but also winning 3-0 while not playing well, whilst also being able to list chances and say, we didn't play that well, but look at these chances. Mm-hmm. That's, that is where if you are a City fan and you do see the whole game, you're thinking, you are actually thinking, all right, these are serious, this is a proper team. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that we're not playing well. I've, I've seen this this put up, put across a bit. I mean, I think I think not playing well is when you don't create chances and you look blunt. I think you know Rob was talking about how you slow Liverpool down. You remember that um, Formula One Formula One car in London traffic quote and Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool didn't really create anything in them games. I don't think that's when Liverpool are playing well. But we're, you know, we're not finishing well. Maybe that's that's correct. But yeah. you know, we still scored three goals. It's it's enough. Um, my 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 thing on there is, I thought I thought Klopp was really interesting in it. The way the way he shifted the front the front three around, he was really aware of Vestergaardner's height. So he's he's just com- com- create a complete confusion. There. And I mean, if you if you're Vestergaard and you're getting beat by Joel Matip in the air, who I mean, there's had so many opportunities from set pieces, much easier than that to pull that header off and beat you in the air. If you mark Hughes, you're walking away scratching your head how that's happened. There's something in the idea of whether or not Liverpool did or didn't play well, David. There's a conversation about moments in that Liverpool, to me, what they look really good at at the minute, better than last season, and maybe even, but sorry, not as not as good as last season in terms of putting full performances together, and maybe not even as good as we were at this stage in 16-17. But what we look better at than either of those years is having a great 30 seconds. Having a 30 seconds where all of a sudden you, Liverpool should score. Yeah, and it... it it's making the most of those, isn't it, I suppose? And, and, and they are just having those flashes. I suppose your only concern, and it's about as close as we can get to criticising Liverpool at any point in the season, really, is they're getting those opportunities on the counter where every time last season they used to make it look so simple, they would pick the right pass and it'd be like, oh, football is so straightforward when you do this. You know, what I mean? it, it, They just looked on a different level and they're not making those same decisions at the moment now. But as you say... They're, they're making enough, aren't they? And, and and that's why you're getting a 3-0 performance and we're coming away going, mm, not, it wasn't perfect, but which, which should be encouraging in the sense there's more to come. It's a thing about Liverpool as well, where you know you, you could feel like you're in complete control of a game, but Liverpool are most dangerous when you've got the ball. It's it's that, that quick transition thing where I think sides are now becoming aware, or let them have it, you know, a little bit more. And... For us now to seem to be able to add set pieces into that mix as well. Liverpool are gaining little tactical advantages all over the pitch. Where you know Liverpool play great football, but it is a lot. A lot of the stuff that you can look back in memory. If you look at West Ham away last season, where they just spring on West Ham and Creswell's on his own. Now we we can we can we've still got all that, and we're also quite patient. We can we can do that and we can grind the results out. But now, but now we're scoring what three goals from set pieces. This is something that you know we've said on show, shows in the past. Uh, if, if only we could take a corner, or if only uh, we could do this. And you got and you got fullbacks. If you can't pick your way through a team, we can put in percentage crosses with mm. such pace like Beckham like whip yeah. on them. So you've got that. You've got the set pieces. But yeah, the patience is the thing. I mean, you know, we, I suppose we've cheaply dismissed all the goals Liverpool have scored. But I've, I've, watching it back, the first one is an incredible piece of skill by Mane to, and run by Shakiri to open yeah. up a defence. Okay, it finally goes in off someone's sh- that lad's shin in the middle. But if he doesn't, Firmino gets a tap, and it is one of the goals that David just described, one where football looks effortless. But but the, but the sort of adjustment of his feet and and pass by Mane is unbelievable, and that's. That to unpick a defence is, is is something that's at a different level. Um, the key talking point from the game, David, to the big sub. Um, um, it, it was it was a surprise when Shakiri was taken off at half time. It was even more of a surprise when you discovered it, that there wasn't an injury question. What do you think's in the manager's mind? I think it was it, it as we've discussed it before, but it's it's really harsh on Shakiri uh, given his performance in the first half. But you could see it wasn't that Southampton were. They, they didn't play particularly well, obviously, but there was quite a lot of times on, on on both sides of the pitch that they seemed to be getting in behind to throw crosses in. And I think that was Klopp's main worry there, is that when you have that midfield three and a sort of solid three rather than a two and a one, 
it's so much easier to split those and, and cover the fullback positions because Salah and Mane, they do work hard, but they sort of cover half positions, don't they? They don't, yeah. they don't actually follow the fullback all the way. So that's what those midfielders do. And when they split, you've still got one in the middle if they split the play or whatever. When you've got two, if, if one of your midfielders goes out, you've got one on his own. And I think that's why Southampton was sort of finding it a bit easier to pass in behind us on the, on the flanks. And that was his main worry, and, and it, it spoke volumes to me that when Milner came on and he went to that sort of flat three, that that didn't really happen anymore. And Southampton didn't, you know, they didn't get any joy really in the second half. It was clear. It was clear. It was It was happening. I just didn't think it was going to be for Shakiri. See Milner as, as soon as as soon as the halftime whistle goes, he's straight out on the pitch. He's warming up. And I, I in my head, I thought, oh, three 0 up, a couple of big games on the horizon. One of the front three is coming off because he'll just move Shakiri into one of their positions. I think I spent most of half time sort of working out which one of them it was going to be, and then when when the side came back out and it was Shakiri, I, I couldn't really get my head around why. You know, you're sort of in a game cruise, and Southampton, I think they only get the first shot on target in the ninety something minute. Charlie Austin, so it didn't it didn't really make any sense to me. But it was, something must have been clear in the game that the manager wasn't happy with. I think I think is I think that sub doesn't happen the way it happens if this Chelsea game isn't coming up, and I think that's in his mind. I think he would. I, I think Shakiri hasn't played more than fifteen minutes of football, has he, since the start of the season? Mm. It, it, that's the longest of his cameos, Leicester. maybe. Yeah. Mm. So none of his cameos have had any any duration to them. You saw it with Sturridge in some of his early ones. I don't think you go from t- to ask two lots of ninety minutes from him just like that in the space of four days. I think that's slightly in his mind. I think his mind is. Against Chelsea, I want I want eighty minutes of but, him. But also, he's going to be key, isn't he? That, that's, that's yeah, the he thing. is. He's going to be our go-to man, our playmate. He's going to be everything about that Chelsea game. Now, not that he intended to take Shakiri off at half-time. I think he probably intended to give him sixty-five. I mm. think that's the truth of the matter. Um, but I must be. Yeah, I was surprised in But I said without the Chelsea game, I think Shakiri doesn't. And also, there's another thing here. And David and I were talking about it before the show. If that Chelsea game isn't coming up and say it's a full clear week and it's City next week and Shakiri doesn't definitely play, then you've kicked that player in the pants. You've mm. really destroyed him after a really good first half. And I don't think he can do it without putting his arm around him in that dressing room. I know this is mad. And he almost said, I said it to him, I know this is mad, but you're definitely starting and playing best part of 90 on Wednesday. In that context, he can do it. Well, he did say in, he, he did, in his post-match press conference that he doesn't tend to explain his substitutions to the players for obvious reasons because he's the gaffer, but... On that, in that occasion, he, he did he did sort of say why he was doing it, and it was because obviously obviously he'd have explained it in terms of formation rather than maybe going into detail about yeah. whether he was going to play against Chelsea. But he did feel like he had to offer an explanation because of the way Shakiri had played. I, I was even shocked it was Milner. You know, I thought you know I thought that would have been an opportunity for maybe Fabinho. Mm. I was just taking it in the context that we were three 0 up and cruising at home. When under any sort of pressure, I think Southampton, if you'd have allowed them to, would have shook hands at half time and went home. So I thought well, maybe if you're going to make that change, it's an opportunity to get 45 into Fabinho's legs and we don't even end up seeing him. I, I think it's a sign of how seriously he's taking every minute of football this season. And I think people are going to be surprised how strong that team is on Wednesday night, by the way. Pulling Joe Gomez out, he effectively pulls three first-team players out. He, t- he keeps Keiter out, he keeps takes Milner out, and he takes Gomez out. So that's three fairly significant changes and keeps his front three there. I and I think I think two three star performers so far this season as well, really, aren't they? To, yeah, yeah, exactly. So and I th- and I think he's the half thinking. Well, I'm going to need Gomez to play against Chelsea. I think I could, I'm going to need. I want Fabinho and Kaiser to play against Chelsea, but I also want one of my other good midfielders. So he's putting out. You know, you know what I mean. I think he's hinting at what's to come. Are you also surprised or note, Rob, that he <laughs> goes back to the front three in the original positions? So it's not Firmino left. It's not not Firmino left. Mane right and. Salah through the middle, he mm. goes Salah right. He moves literally all of them. He goes Salah right. Yeah. Mane goes back left, and Firmino goes back back central, which is where m- m- most of the business. That's the way we've tended to operate this season. You're surprised about that, but he does that as well he as reverts. takes security off. Yeah. Well, you're the one who put, we sat together at match. You pointed out he wasn't happy with Salah first half, so uh, it was part that side of it passed me by a bit. I suppose <laughs> didn't looking at the match in the in, in the broader sense rather than that specific. But in the context of what you'd observed, he wasn't happy with what Salah was doing first off. Although me watching it back, 
I'm happy to see him score, but I thought he did so many good bits. You know, his movement was fantastic. He has, he has, he creates himself two half chances. I thought he looked back to the best of Mo Salah, but you saw things that he wasn't happy with. Well, I saw him not being happy. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why. Oh, right. yeah, so okay. It's difficult for me to. I could see him repeat, spending a lot of the first half talking to slash shouting at. I mean, you've got to shout. It's not you can overstate that sort of thing. Sometimes it's a football match, but you know he doesn't get to have a quiet word. But being quite, you know, telling. Salah where he wants him to be at different times. It's interesting that he's central. You know that could be a, a regular thing, but every time he sort of passes him, on you know he, he could be in his in his ear. I don't know. I th- I thought Salah. I know we, me and Rob were talking about this just before we came on the show. I thought Salah was fantastic, mm. uh, and like for, for him to take any form of criticism from that the other day, he was he, he fell to me back on it and sort of any little doubts that have been creeping into my mind about Salah, and they were only minor, were uh, were sort of eased just be just. Just because you could just see the level. Of Another him. day he gets the match ball easily. Absolutely. And, that's not, and I know that's said, but it, yeah, he was comfortable there, wasn't he? Absolutely. He looked like he was enjoying himself as well. Yeah. You watch the highlights back and he's smiling all the way the, through. The goal seemed chances. like such a real weight off his shoulders. Yeah. I mean, I had my head in my hands because it, it felt like he'd had the one where, I, I can't remember it was, took the, the, uh, the, took the ball off him last minute when he's in front of the goal. Then he had that outrageous back heel, mm. which, you know, only only the sort of top players can score then. But just just have the presence of mind to be able to do what he does. That if that goes in, it's a fantastic goal. And another day he doesn't get the other one chalked off and we're talking about, you know, uh, yeah, really, really good numbers. All them doubts you had about Mo Salah, he's just scored a hat-trick. Yeah. You know? I'd also like to point out about the front three as well, it's sort of along similar lines, is the idea that I'm not sure about um, Firmino on that left-hand side. Now, he gets through more work than I think any of that front three. And yeah, I think Liverpool lose something when he's out there because his work is best done sitting in those gaps between yeah. the centre-halves where he's, he's running off the ball is better there. And I think that that partly contributed to, to Southampton getting it down the flanks, it, it, particularly on his side, which seemed to be most productive for them. I mean, you saw it, he's... He, he very rarely puts him out there, but one of them I, that really sticks in my mind was um, Goodison Park last season. <laughs> it was terrible. And he, it, it, yeah, and it's just, <laughs> yeah. he just doesn't seem to be, I don't know, he's, he's less willing to do the running on that side or it's just less comfortable to him, but he never follows. Maybe less, less of an awareness as to what he's actually meant just, to yeah. be doing. Do you think it was something to do with Redmond? Uh, that, that, was my, that was my thoughts about it in the game. Redmond's, Busy. He's the most direct sort of player uh, Southampton have got, and I wondered whether he was he was a little bit worried about. Isn't he left sided. Right? Revan played right first half, he? didn't he? Oh, yeah. Right first half, yes. So yeah, I, I, it made me think whether he'd done that just to accommodate Redmond a little bit. I think there's every chance he starts the way he starts, partially to send a message to not necessarily to Manchester City, who are our next home opponents, but to all the ones that follow Cardiff, Watford. I think are coming soon, or we're going there to sort of say, don't think we're just always going to do this thing. We could yeah. just turn up and do this thing. So don't just, you know, when your your analysts are sitting there and you're working out and this is the best thing to do about Liverpool, I can just throw this in any time. And I think there could be a little element of that, just that idea of being able to say, don't you be resting on your laurels saying Liverpool that it's the same team every week or the same approach every week. From nowhere, we could just we could just shift this shape. And I think it might be an element of them just sort of thinking, yeah, I just need to keep them honest, keep them thinking about what I'm going to do rather than have them think as though, well, we'll just put our plan together to deal with Liverpool. And yeah. we, we now know from that Man City documentary that Guardiola, even before they face Cardiff for the weekend was talking about Liverpool's front three in his dressing room to his coaches. Um, Klopp knew that too. It's nice to know that others are nervous about you, isn't it? But um, I think the main thing is that it's not it's not a three, it's a four as well. And yes. th- th- I, I wonder whether the team is the team against the, the teams that you think might be the whipping boys. But actually the ones that really might spring some surprises is, is the Man City things for, for what you've just been saying. Um, I want you, you mentioned it there. You, you're surprised it was Milner, Paul. When when Alden comes off, if first and foremost, I very much thought the ovation he got was terrific. In that, it wasn't as though he'd had some sort of remarkable nine out of ten day, but it was as though the crowd stood as one to say, "You've been great. For, you've, been, you've been great for seven games here." Mm. And I thought that that was that was you know at times we can criticise uh, our own supporters and all of that sort of stuff. For me, that was a real example of the, the the idea of the most intelligent supporters in the land and all that sort of stuff. It was that idea that as one, the crowd got up and went, "Well done to you." But the second thing that occurred to me when I was looking back on it is this: that Kaita wasn't returned to the light lineup from the start mm. or at half time from not playing in the Paris Saint Germain game. And there's a thing here which is that the White Knights that were saved to sign, sorry, signed to save Liverpool's midfield, they just pretty much now you can almost say they haven't really featured and were seven wins out of seven. Mm. Yeah, that's a, what a lovely thing that is. I mean, firstly, yeah, I mean, se- seven out of seven of what which Genie Wijnaldum has been 
integral to them wins. And I think you know you do the thing in your head all summer long when Liverpool are signing Fabinho, and you know you've not you've, you know you've got Naby Keita coming in, and you build your little dream team around. I don't think Wijnaldum was a featured in ninety nine percent of Liverpool fans first seven games, you know, you know, he was the one where he thought if, if they're gonna move anyone on, is he the one who is overlooked most? And for him well, that rumour was going around in the summer. Yeah, yeah. Well for him mm. to be integral. But it also shows to me is what you know, I've you hear managers talk about creating competition within the side and you you, you don't really understand that you don't get the measure of that, you know, and Wijnaldum's certainly up to it's uh, you know, there's there's games where he he, he has and has gone and has gone missing. I think even this season, maybe it's his second half at Leicester, I think he's a bit of a passenger. But um, f- f- he's got the away goal now. He's, he's breaking up. He, I know he got one at, at Roma, but he's got that. He's But his all-round play has been absolutely fantastic. I, 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 don't, I don't quite understand why, as fans, we, we get so excited about what... What's yeah? What's to come when you sign and the likes of Fabinho, who I don't think is is that well known amongst Liverpool fans, and all of a sudden he's replacing a lad who's been integral to so us getting a Champions League run and that. But it's just shown these these lads have got it, but they fully understand what the manager wants, and that that that's key for me. But you've hinted at it there. The competition is key. That form doesn't happen without those signings. I don't, I don't think. think so. Um, and also, there's this idea that he, you know, because he has these luxury of riches, that he wants to bed them, and we're seeing it softly, softly with Fabinho, and we're seeing it with Kaita. I mean, I don't think I think Kaita's still going to prove to be the main, his main man. I mean, he tellingly, although he leaves him out at Leicester, he picks he's, he's his first pick at Tottenham, biggest game of the season. Kaita, I think I wouldn't put my life on it, but I think he'll he'll edge it in for City as well. Um, I think he's pulled Kaita out of the last two. That's because I think he probably wants to give him three games on the bounce and he needs to ease him in. There's, we'll see. Well, but it is this. We, we The grass is always greener, David. And it's part of being a football supporter. We've all done it. The grass is always greener. But also, at times, what you what you yourself can perceive as as, as as being a weakness, it just may not be as great a weakness as, as perhaps you thought. It's ever so slightly the, skept- the spectre of City, the idea of the 100 points and all of that, that I think partially creates that. But, you know, the, the these lads, the thing you can say is they've had a competition, they've added strength and depth. They're going to continue to add competition and strength and depth. It wouldn't surprise me if one or both of the, the players who haven't played that much end up getting, let's say, nine of the last 11 in a hopefully successful Liverpool season. But it's still, you know, it's still worthy of, of comments that James Milner and Jeannie Wijnaldum in particular have, have just gone, yeah, you think you're taking my place cheaply? Absolutely not. It's it's worked out perfectly, really, in many ways, because you you don't you don't want to see those players who you've got into this position sort of just thrown on the scrap heap and then, you know, Fabinho and Kate to start the season in midfield and Wijnaldum's waiting for his game and then when he gets it, he maybe doesn't play as well. And people are like, well, look, we were right about this and... You know, it, it's notable that say when when you praise Jordan Henderson on social media, you might um, get a little bit of pushback on that. And um, but it's not; it's so nice to see. You know, one of the comments I got consistently on the off the back of saying about Henderson's deal was, you know, one person in particular uh, continuously tweeted me saying that, well, if uh, if Jurgen thought he was so good, then he wouldn't have signed this elite Brazilian DM. And yeah, Fabinho probably is that. And like you say, I, I can imagine by the end of the season that he will play the, the the last chunk of games because he probably will have proven that he's worth his hype. You know, Jurgen Klopp doesn't sign bad players, but it's been so nice to see the midfielders who've got Liverpool in this position contribute so much. And they've got a vital part to play, injuries or not. Liverpool are going to have a lot of games this season. It's really good to see the likes of Wijnaldum and Milner stepping up. It's really important. I mean, the, the criticism of Henderson I still find quite weird, uh, considering the, the level of his performance recently. I mean, there was a moment in the game where he plays a beautiful lofted pass over over the centre half, yeah. puts Liverpool in behind. The ball gets ball eventually gets cleared, and then it's Henderson that's 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 harrowing the man, winning the ball back for Liverpool and getting us on the, on the front foot again. And I, I don't quite understand where, where where this is all born from, really. It's almost like people are willing for him to succeed in certain quarters. I mean, Liverpool is seven, seven out of seven now. Pack it in. You know, he, he's, he is performing for Liverpool. He might not be your favourite player, and that's fine. He might do things that you don't understand, and that's fine. But the... I understand from his early performances for Liverpool a long time ago. You know, you're talking in Kenny Dalglish's time now that you might not have really rated Jordan Henderson. He was 19. For, for, he was 19, but now he's the captain of the football club. And for me, he's doing a, a great job doing that. But but also on the pitch, 
he's been outstanding for a long time. In many senses, the two I thought the two outstanding performers, Rob. The cumulatively for Liverpool don't get ninety minutes. Uh, Shakiri first half, and then I think it would be. The easiest thing in the world to sort of downplay what Joe Joe Gomez does when he comes on. It would be easy to just to sort of say, well, the game was won and he just came in. But I actually think Southampton see Van Dijk go off and think, aye aye, and they actually have five minutes where they up it and they look to they look to get in a couple of times. And I just thought he just came, you know, to come on cold. He's not expecting to come on even when he's warming up. I mean, if you if you're an attacking player or a midfielder, you think, yeah, I'll get my chance. Let's be honest about this: centre halves don't get subbed. So he's warming up and he's warming up and he won't be thinking I'm getting on if we're all in, mm. in his heart of hearts. He comes on cold, he's playing the other side, he's simultaneously the senior member of the, the of that back four now, but also he's the junior member because he is the youngest next to Matip and there's not a single issue. There's not a single issue. He strolls through the game and he just dominates. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not the worst game to come back into, but you know, you can't take anything away from it, his progress this season. But he's also another case in point with the Wijnaldum-Milner factor. He's allowed who sat down, looked, looked himself in the mirror pre-season and went, well, Trent Alexander-Arnold is the great hope of British football on the right-hand side and he's in my place, well, the place I had. And uh, I've got Van Dijk, a world record player, and Lovren, the self-styled best centre-half in the world, in front of me. I, if I get a sniff pre-season, I'm coming in and I'm playing well. There's just no way Joe Gomez is letting, allowing himself uh, second-tier performances anymore. I just don't... I mean, of course, there's gonna be, he's going to have a rick in him somewhere along the line. And I, but I, th- I tell you what, I think it'll happen in the middle of a really good game. There's, there was a, an interesting collective Van Dyke panic, Paul. I think it was the realisation <laughs> that everybody in the ground realised that he's probably the most important player to remain fit for Liverpool, um, that you can... Ever. Given, given the front, <laughs> given the, the fact that there's three of the front three, you can make an argument that if one of them went down, yes, it would be bad, but it wouldn't there's be still two of them. But yeah, there's still two of them. It was uh, it, it it reminded me a little bit of the, the the hush when I think Henderson went down before the Roma game last season in a league match in between, and suddenly everyone went, oh, "I hope he's not out." And that, but that was it for Van Dijk. There, everyone just sort of went, "Oh God, we're playing City in a bit, you know," and we've got Chelsea next week. Yeah, I was nearly crying. If Every- I'm honest, <laughs> <laughs> everyone knew that fixture list. Yeah, I, I, I think everyone was acutely aware, even. If if it was just a broken rib, which is a couple of weeks, this isn't a couple of weeks for it, you know. Um, I mean, the performance of Joe Gomez does give you a bit of a bit of hope that that you've got something of a real quality in centre uh, half now. But yeah, the Van Dyke's importance to this Liverpool team can't. I mean, it, I don't think it can be measured. Uh, the the thing for me is you sell you sell 145 million pounds worth of footballer to Barcelona and improve by signing Virgil Van Dyke. That's how good he is. Um, uh, there's, there's, there's not really much you can you can say about Virgil van Dijk. That, that's not so obvious. He's like, I was talking to the the sort of older guys around me at the game, and he's like, he's like, he's like Lawrenson. He's just think he's like a magnet. He's like, you know handsome. He's got bits of handsome about him, but his just his ability to be in the right place at the right time and everything just seems to hit him. That's 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 skill. That's not by chance. You know, he's not just there, be, just by any form of luck. He is so important to this Liverpool side. It really can't be measured, and I still think he is our most important player. Is it just reassure me that injury is just bruising, isn't it's it? Just just bruising on the pain. Have you got any update? He said that he'd had it prior to the PSG. Yeah, game, I saw that. And he didn't think it was going to be anything serious. I think he's, he's got a whack in something already existing, yeah. you know. Um, but I think what, what, I, I think he misses the, midweek. Well, I think he obviously misses mid- midweek, David, yeah. but he probably would have missed midweek anyway. Mm. But I wonder about this whether or not what you might see now is. That he may not do Napoli away, he might do Napoli away. You get the impression the player would want to do Napoli away. But then if you if you, if you push this forward, and we we get up the other side of that City game and then that next block. I do wonder if you might see a little bit more cotton wool towards two or three of them. That that might be the point at which if you you know the manager is able to say to Van Dijk, don't worry about Red Star. If we get to the next round of the EFL, you're not going to be playing that. There might even be a league one that from nowhere, you know. Um, Cardiff at home, for instance, Liverpool might make the decision, you know what, we don't think we'll need you today. It gives us an opportunity well, to get yeah. minutes into Lovren or Matip alongside Gomez. You do begin to wonder whether or not little things like this might lead to Van Dijk being rotated a tiny little bit more than he might have expected himself. Yeah, well, I think winning these first seven games of the season sort of gives you options going forward to do things like that. Like, say, some of the Champions League games you can maybe look at and go, well, you know, we can we can get away with. And it's not just get away with. I mean, you've got quality back up there. Lovren's going to be back soon and he is... A, He's a very good centre half, and he's you know him and him and Gomez would be a, a very good partnership. I do think going forward you, you're going to have to see that rotation because you, you you don't want to take any risks with him. 
when Gomez wasn't picked, Rob, you said it was something that you'd been thinking he may well do, and you made the mm. point that Gomez has got an injury history himself. Yeah. Also, he's a younger lad. You know, we'll have to be honest about this, and, and people develop at different times. We are going to, you know, it showed you across the board, Gomez being available to come on, combined with the the, the Van Dyke injury, it showed you the, 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 the importance of the rotation right the way across the pitch, which is going to be on the cards soon. Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone's everyone's eyes are in the rotation are on the front three. I think that's what we, but we forget there are issues all over the pitch. There's an issue over Trent Alexander and Andy Robertson, which no one really mm. wants to talk about. They I think. thought they both looked tired against Southampton. To be honest, they both looked a little yeah. bit like they've done some running. Yeah, and people go, "Oh, you missed the League Cup game," but okay. But then they've then got to play another three in a week. It's it's not straightforward. You know, we might need to see Albi Moreno do a shift for us. And jo- and it was right. I think Klopp was absolutely right to bring Joel Matip in. Then I think Matip rewarded him actually. I think with a, well, I mean. It Get a goal, but there was a there was a lovely surge forward, wasn't there, in the first half? I thought again, we can't keep. I can't keep saying this enough. I, I think there are players who are responding to the competition very, very positively. I mean, it just shows the mood in the camp. And you'd imagine Joel Matip, you know, I've well documented as not being a big fan. You'd imagine he's fourth choice centre half at Liverpool now. Yeah, and for him to come in and put a, a proper performance in, like he does at the weekend, he gets a goal, and I think he was all right. They, f- 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 I thought first five minutes. I thought he looked a bit shaky, and there was there was a few issues where I went, "Oh God, what what are we in for this afternoon?" Here we look like we're missing Gomez already, but no, he, he grew into the game. I think Van Dijk sort of helped him through the game, and he clicked. And for us to be able to to have Lovren not quite ready yet, go down to matter, make 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 that change, and there's there's an international footballer waiting to come in. That's that's positive, and that's our best. <clears throat> excuse me, I think he's our best, David, our best fourth choice centre half since Hippier in two thousand and eight. Nine, I did a little sit down and, and thought it through, and. It's testament to the squad building that's gone on that that that's happened that's happened progressively. That's not happened sort of straight away. We aren't, you know, we're still not that many years away from Stephen Colker being signed uh, as an emergency loan signing for Liverpool in a in a, in a transfer window. It's under Klopp. Uh, no, that's what yeah. I mean. It's under Klopp, and I think that tells the story of of the way he's gone about this business of of buying first choices in order to kick down the pecking order while still simultaneously keeping those lads deeper in the pecking order happy. That's what you'd always say as a, as a fan watching things is that you, that's exactly how you would expect a squad to be built is you sign someone as your first choice and then you just keep adding to that and like you say, knocking people down and that is exactly how it's worked. It's like you look at Joel Matip, it's the fourth choice centre-half. He, he was starting the first game of the season in 16-17 yep. and... And now he's now he is possibly in seventeen eighteen. Yeah, and it and now and now look, it, it is probably fourth choice when once Lovren's fit, and that's what a position to be in, and 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 that will encourage the rotation as much as anything. Is that Klopp will know he can't really justifiably keep these lads on the bench all the time because they are good enough to start games, and that by the end of the season, hopefully, will be paying dividends that all your squad will be fit and the amount of quality that's there that you should be in with a shout of winning something. You could argue under Klopp that we've only really bought. Shakiri, who hasn't been bought to come straight into an eleven. Clavin, Clavin and Shakiri. Oh, Clavin, yeah, yeah, Clavin as well. For um, but then it's this misconception that across Europe they're buying twenty-five stars that are all first eleven players. Paris Saint-Germain in the week brought on Chupu Motting, who, who yeah. got relegated with Shakiri. He's coming on. For, he's coming on for Neymar and Mbappe or Cavani. You know this is, <laughs> and this is it. So you'd, our drop is a lad that outshone him at the club he was relegated at. So it just shows what strength we have. We do possess, you know. So it shows Paris Saint-Germain a skint now that they've spent <laughs> and they FFP'd themselves into the ground buying mm. four hundred million pounds worth of forwards. Because sorry, that was a really lopsided squad. If you look at it now, that Paris Saint Germain. Well, Liverpool had the stronger bench on the night by yeah. by a mile, which, yeah. which you would not have expected, really. And again, twelve months, twelve months ago, conversation. Exactly. There is something, Rob. In the the other thing that you got from Matip, and I think he has, I think he still has a little bit of a mixed performance. I think you get to see some of his strengths and some of his weaknesses. But the, the strengths and weaknesses of a player who's Champions League class, not the strengths and strengths and weaknesses of mm. uh, of of, of Kyriakos. For instance, as yeah. an example, I mean, yeah. you know, that, that it, it's a different set of strengths and weaknesses. But the other thing as well is, he's now been a Liverpool player since sixteen seventeen. He's had three full seasons and three full pre-seasons of working with Jurgen Klopp. So therefore, he doesn't come in and go, "What's all this about?" He comes in and he knows what the expectations are in terms of the way this side plays. He knows that. Trent Alexander-Arnold's going to be at times 30, 35, 40 yards away from him. And he's not going, you get back here. He knows this is how we play. Yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah, the players we're now seeing are squad players. I mean, okay, Shakiri aside, are bedded in, aren't they? Actually, they're still knocking down the door into the first team. But that's very, very true here. There is a core who've been there a while. I was actually thinking about the depth of the squad. 
we think, I mean, around us they'll say, well, Liverpool haven't had any serious injury problems. We were without Chamberlain, Lalana, and Lovren since the start of the season. They haven't got a look in and Chamberlain won't. Those are really strong players, though. I mean, to be able to just throw Chamberlain and Lalana into midweek against Chelsea, you go, actually, we've got a selection headache in the League Cup here. It's, it's amazing, really, the squad you, there. You could argue from fourth down, they start every week for every other Premier League side, them yeah. three. And we're, we're without them. Alex Oxley, Chamberlain, you know, he was. He was so in, he was so important for Liverpool last season, and I, I felt we sort of missed him, especially in Kiev. Um, and thirteen months ago, Lalana's a first eleven player for us. Absolutely, and and just just to be able to, he's not really been in anyone's thoughts. Chamberlain, I feel <laughs> it almost feels quite mean on him that he he feels a little bit forgotten because Liverpool are performing at such a level. But that that's it, and this this is the strength and depth thing. You know, when, I, I, there hasn't been much chat about. January. Normally, you, you go. Oh, we could do with this in January or that in January. I couldn't. I couldn't care less if the transfer window opens. One draw for it to happen. But also, it's worth pointing out on David and Rob does it there. You know, th- th- there's three missing at the minute, um, and I've been long-term absent uh, absentees. But it only. And this isn't just a Liverpool thing. This is the case for Manchester City. This is the case for Manchester United to a certain extent. Although there's a quality, a strange quality thing with Man United where I actually don't think they've got as much top, top, top quality as some of these other sides. But they've actually got maybe a bit more depth. But it's the same for Chelsea. It's the same for Arsenal. That it will only ever take. You know, we've currently got three out. If there's three more out, we will suddenly be looking at the bench and having that conversation. But then that's the nature of squads. You can't actually have 25 belters. You've got to make some decisions somewhere. Yeah, and you you, you are at times you you. You're relying on on getting lucky with injuries. Liverpool, you know, did we all know that even though they've improved the squad massively over the summer, they need to get fortunate with injuries to to have a have a chance of winning a trophy. Because the, even even with the way Shakiri played at the weekend, you do not want any of that front three disappearing. I think because I think there's sort of a critical mass you re- reach in terms of quality on the pitch that makes Liverpool just irresistible. You, you want them all for the for you want them all for when you need them. And that, that is, so that can be, for instance, 90 minutes against Manchester City, or if need be, when we were chopping and changing and it's not quite clicked, 20 minutes against Cardiff at home. That's what you want, isn't it? The idea that you can just say, if we need them all on the pitch right now, we can get them all on the pitch. Exactly, and you and you know that once when you've got that that critical mass has been reached, that you you can basically go out against any side and think we're probably going to score at some point today, and and you know that's why they're particularly crucial rather than. I think you could possibly get through the with a, a centre half injury crisis or you know problems at fullback, considering the depth there and and that that area of the pitch isn't quite as difficult to get it right. But if 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 Liverpool lose anything in that front three I, for anything long term, I think it's going to be a bit of a struggle. So that's where you just cross your fingers and, and hope that you get the good fortune. I think the other thing as well is is when you look at the makeup of top squads, they normally have a couple of youngsters on the bench. You look at Man City, they've got the likes of Phil Foden. Diaz, um, United have got Pereira, McTominay, then that's Liverpool's, when you look at Liverpool's bench, you go, well, there's no youngsters on this because ours have excelled so much that in the first team, Gomez and Trent are now part of that, that, that 11. So Liverpool look uber strong because they're not, they're not blooding kids on the bench. Whereas you look at, you look at Man City's bench and you go, oh, looking, Foden's not a first sub, but they do have, you know, a Mares or a Bernardo Silva to come in. Uh, all of it uh, bodes very very well indeed still for Liverpool it's 7 wins out of 7 that is 7 wins out of 7 if you haven't subscribed to the Anfield Wrap yet where we get to talk only about victories at the minute God knows what we're going to do when there's a defeat it's a uh, tour player it's £5 a month uh, theanfieldwrap.com forward slash subscribe for all of that um, elsewhere Rob United and Chelsea drop 2 points everybody else wins come on to Tottenham in a minute uh, but United and Chelsea it's it's a big two points home to mm. home against Wolves for United. I think it is maybe a marker for everyone else that Wolves are they've now took points off the two Manchester clubs, one home, one away. Yes, they were fortunate. They rode the luck more accurately against Manchester City at home rather than were fortunate. But firstly, Wolves home or away is not going to be a gimme. We go there on the twenty second of December. Uh, it's not going to be a gimme for anyone. Let's just get that one mm. in and get that sorted now. They've made that crystal clear. But if you are Manchester United, it was a game that you very much could have done with the three points in. Yeah, I'm glad it's a while away for us. They might be a different Wolves by then. I doubt, and I doubt they're shattered. Yeah, well, <laughs> we saw this with Huddersfield last season. I mean, Wolves probably have more depth and, and quality than Huddersfield. But Huddersfield, look, I remember uh, our mate Steve Armstrong going to watch United's United side and he's come away going, they're the best. They want the best side we've seen all season. And by the end, they didn't quite look that good. Um, and I think that may prove true of Wolves. 
But, you know, these are these are big results from our point of view. I mean, City will be saying the same thing. I mean, I do that overview show uh, on, on Tour Player. Um, we look at the fixtures and we went, and we looked at this, this is a United banker, Chelsea, West Ham are an absolute are abject. When we looked at it two weeks ago, that's a banker. And Liverpool's games look hard. For us to, to us to net gain on these teams, the net, let me put it this way, I think about it this way. Our net gain on United there is... It's quite substantial because because that's a banker versus okay ours is a banker as well. I'm labouring the point here. It's um it's big. I mean we want everyone to drop points every weekend, but they can't because the league is very polarised at the moment. I'm taking the most positives from where we've been. You know, uh, it's that we've been to Leicester away, a tough away. We've been to Crystal Palace away, tough away. We've been to Tottenham. We you know even if Tottenham do pull off the new stadium this season, we're not going to have to go there. That's none of our business. Also, obviously, Paris Saint-Germain have come to Anfield and won, and and we've won. So, it's it's now what these have got to come. They're not, they've not re- there's not really been the big the big tough away for a lot of these teams. And if they if they're dropping points against Wolves, then I I sort of take well, what are they, what are they going to do at, at Tottenham away? What are they going to do at Leicester and Palace and the, these these really difficult aways? Because if Wolves come to to Old Trafford and can get a points, then what, are they any of our business? I'm no longer any. I'm not sure. There's everyone always tries to be cool about the. I don't look at the table until there's Christmas trees and decorations and all sorts. David, everyone always loves that sort of nonsense. It's my wallpaper on my phone. Yeah, well, <laughs> there we are because because you know to use the language of it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's not a tennis hundred meter race. It's, four, it's two laps of four hundred meters. You've got to run as fast as you can all the way through. That's the way it works. That's that's the way in which it is. And hopefully you've still got enough for a sprint finish somehow. Yeah. You're looking at that now, and you know you are able to say that. Yeah, Man United have entertained Tottenham uh, at home, but they now find themselves eight points behind us, eight points after six games, and that's not to say that therefore that'll extrapolate and it'll be an unbelievable number of points come the end of the campaign. Just much more the idea of that's already eight points when you've still got to go to Anfield. We've still got to go to Old Trafford, but you've still got to come to Anfield. Eight points is a it's 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 a hill to climb already. It's almost like you. you it seems ridiculous to say it after so few games, but you cannot see that being closed up completely over the course of the season now, given the way the two sides are playing and, and, and the atmosphere that's around Manchester United in comparison to the atmosphere around Liverpool. Like, it, it was almost like this last season in terms of United built up a certain lead over Liverpool in the early stages of the season and Liverpool never quite got that back, even though yeah. they, they, they did improve eventually and they were playing much better football by the end of the season than Manchester United. They never quite closed that. And I think that's getting to the point already. Eight points at this at this stage of the season that they might not close that. And I thought what Paul said is exactly about where Liverpool have been already is really encouraging. You looked at City's fixtures, for example, to start the season. And, and what was it? The three newly promoted sides and then the three newly promoted sides from last season to start the season. Is that my thinking, yeah, yeah. Now, my thinking yeah. was in, for, if Liverpool can stay close to Manchester City over that, that first run of fixtures, they'll, they'll be happy. And what it is, it's Liverpool are actually ahead of them at the moment. But we're now in a situation where they come to our place in two weeks and if we win, we will be above them. No matter what happens against Chelsea, we can go to Chelsea and get beat, they can win, they can go points above us, but if we win, we go above them. And I think that if you'd have offered that to Klopp before a ball was kicked, what, we beat them We beat them at home and we go above them, that would have been absolutely phenomenal. There's, you know, and even, you know, there's even a scenario which isn't difficult to imagine where we go to Chelsea, we get a point. And then if City come and beat us, it's actually only three points. We'll still have to go to their place and it'll feel significant. But, you know, Paul, it, it now, the, that was the importance of this game at the weekend. You get to see that at the times we, you know, the way we talk about Liverpool's matches and the way we're anticipating it and it's Southampton at home after Paris Saint-Germain. <coughs> but the context of that win, being able to look at the table now and then being able to look at what's happened to United and Chelsea, it really does just allow you to go, yeah, it, it, that, you, you get to see the value of those three points in that context more maybe than we all did on Friday. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I wasn't aware of David's point of what of what quite a simple start Man City have had. I just know that they keep they keep winning pretty much. Obviously, they've had that draw in there. Um, Arsenal away, they've had it's the only hard one. Ish, yeah. I mean, we. But then we can say, well, where if you if you if you play the points game, you know, well, we've had Tottenham away. Tottenham are better than Arsenal. You know, there's that thing. Manchester United. I've had Manchester. I've had Tottenham at home and lost. We've had Tottenham away and won. These these are just the little battles in my mind. I'm going, yeah, we're plus this on this game. You know, and the, you know, it's a, it's that doing maths thing again. But you have to do it early because Manchester City didn't drop many points last season. You know, it was interesting to see even Carragher at the weekend saying this league will not be won by a points tally that was won in my 
it was that was the target of my time. If you got 85, 86, that'll probably do it. You're gonna have to get 90 points, and the only way to do that is to buy by not dropping points to Tottenham and anymore. Like last season, our, our record was was reasonably poor. We're we're bettering them again, you know. So it's um, we we lose quite considerably at Tottenham away last season. This year we win. The Southampton we come and we just we just dispatch them. These are just routine things that will allow which almost gives us free hits so if if Chelsea do come and take you know uh, draw with us at the league of the weekend it's not the end of the world because of the job we've done getting to this point so far in fact I think two draws definitely would see us top at least goal difference notwithstanding by the end of the City game it'd be level on points with them draw the next two they've got a better goal difference yeah. uh, than us uh, but we'd be level on points with yeah. them uh, and again yeah given the fixtures and given where we've been mm. that is you know that is that, that, that'd be that'd be pretty fantastic uh, from that sort of point and it would also uh, if we did that as well uh, Chelsea couldn't be any better than mm. level on points with us um, the other one Tottenham not convincing David they'll feel as though it's a massive three points and I think you saw that in Pochettino's reaction at the end of the game it's it's a three points that again reminds you the same way that maybe United in the last couple of weeks you've been reminded that then whilst you can have a conversation about quite where the quality is at times, we are up against a load of teams that have that have spent three, four, five years, with one exception in United's case, being able to hit decent points totals, being able to hit 76 minimum, do even better, being able to, to, to be bang in there. And there's a wisdom about them, isn't there? And they got through it against Brighton, even if they didn't deserve to. Yeah, I, f- I felt a bit sorry for uh, <clears throat> some of the criticism that, that Pochettino's faced recently because he's quite clearly a very good manager, isn't he? And he's 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 hamstrung by Tottenham's situation. I think that's that's clear. And Liverpool, on the evidence we've seen so far, have, have, have taken up another level because they've been able to invest in it in a different stratosphere to Tottenham now. But Tottenham is still going to be there and thereabouts, aren't they? They're they're a very good team, and I think you know. If you're, say, United and you've made a slow start, you're worrying now about the fact that Chelsea are present in that top four conversation when you maybe would have said oh, they might struggle under a new manager and their signing, new signings bedding in this season. You know, if Tottenham really, you know, if Tottenham stop struggling and they, they sort of go on a little run again and, and just get that top four points tally like they generally do, then, you know, if you're another team pushing for that top four position like Manchester United, you, you're probably worried about them. My my only concern with Tottenham, I suppose, is that you know Harry Kane didn't score an open play again. Obviously, he gets the penalty, doesn't score against us. Uh, is that Lamella's two and two now? I, I, my 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 thing with Tottenham was just if if Kane's not scoring, who does? And I just don't want them to get that little bit of this is them at the worst and they're sort of getting away with it. Don't get me wrong, they lose to us, but they get away with it by just just finding a way, and it's because the likes of Lamella. Are turning up and finding and finding goals, and I, I was hoping that it was going to be Harry Kane centric again. And if I just don't want them to have someone else that they didn't really have last season. I know he comes back towards the end of the season. I don't want them to have some, something else to hang their hat on. Like Lamella's going to go and get that ten for them as well as Son maintaining his numbers and Kane and Mara scoring. Um, oh yeah, of course. And he's, think, he's the think, other one. Do you think Tottenham is something for Liverpool to worry about this season? Really? I, th- I think yeah, they should always be worried. It depends. Look, we were writing we were writing the history of this season very early, and you know, come back in a month's time. I think it, it, wise wise to not count Tottenham off. I, they won't. They'll be around the eighty point mark. My my thing about, about Tottenham and about these sides, David, is your your positive thing earlier is what happens if you lose one of that front three for three months. That that you know, there's the speed with which any season can become one where. You know, you think you're going to be challenging for first and saying, well, our worst case scenario is second. It, it, it may only take four, a sticky four league game run where suddenly you're going, forget them. Let's look over <laughs> our shoulder and check these out. So I think I wouldn't, you know, and Tottenham are able to look at it right now and say for all the, the question mark around the start in the first European game, they've got a two-pointer game. They've played six, got 12 points on the board. They're doing fine. <laughs> and that's that, you know, it's it's that where we look like we could go and go and go at the minute, but... If I, I also change. think sorry, Neil. I also think you know you know how Tottenham are going to play. They're not reinventing themselves. They're a group that've been consistently together. As, as Paul said, they've added. Well, they feel that Lamella's like the proverbial new signing. Mara is a new signing. Chelsea are the interesting one, where you could still see it going either way. I think. Um, I you know I'd back Tottenham over Chelsea just. Sorry, said at the weekend. He said we're a work in progress. He actually said we. I don't think he's playing mind games. He said well, I think we're a year behind Liverpool. Um, Chelsea, have, you know, they've opened up with these wins, but they've not convinced anyone. And when you see them not winning it like West Ham, they weren't very good, were they, against West Ham? It's hard to see where they go. Now, again, none of us would be surprised because the, the quality that's still there, if they go on to be competing this title to the last two weeks or whatever. But I, I, equally, I don't think anyone's surprised if Chelsea fall away. 
Okay. Um, we have Chelsea this week. The front three get the duration. Uh, David, as I said before, pick me a team for Chelsea. With these lads, come on, the three of you. <laughs> the first one, are you, are, are, you, are you playing Mignolet? No. No. I don't see why. Why would you? No. I, I, I also think it's a good opportunity for, for Alisson to play, potentially with a, a change back four, to get to know Nathaniel Klein, to get to know Alberto Moreno. Would you both agree they would play? I would to imagine. see some action maybe as well. Because he's not seen much action. Well, that there could be that as well. I mean, I, I would expect a full, a fully changed back four, but not the goalkeeper. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, so, I'm seeing. You're not seeing Matip keep his place. Sorry, yes. From what, from what you would say, our, right. our regular five. So saying, you think yeah. it'll be? Uh, so, you, but do you think he's going to start Manuel or Allison, David? You, 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 you had skeptical face. Yeah, I. Knowing what Jurgen Klopp is like, you can you can imagine him sort of wanting to throw Mignolet in for his game, and it and it is just it, you know the League Cup is is the fourth priority of the season, isn't it? Okay, um, but I, okay, I, I, I think th- he owes him nothing. I think he owes him. I think he owes him nothing. I think I think he can't kid Mignolet that he that he wants to do him a favour anymore. He, he was does, behind- he, does he own the idea that if Allison pulls a hamstring? You've had a game and you're all right because that that's that'd be my rationale. My rationale wouldn't be I owe anything. It's the idea of yeah. if I'm absolutely giving him nothing and then I'm suddenly going need you here for six weeks. I just feel it. I just think it feels so token. I mean, in, in, in the history of keepers, you don't need to keep your second keeper fresh in that sense. I don't think. I also think I I think Klopp wants to win this and go through. And I think there were, there were hints of that in his selection at the weekend, and I think he'll go strong. I, I, I made a call over the weekend on social media, which, I, and I don't think I'll be as far wrong as people say. I think Gomez and Matip will line up together. I don't think Nat Phillips will come in. I think that would be no, what, a move no, too I many. Where's Lovren? What's, what, what's Lovren? I don't know if he's bored. He's just I can't so short of match fitness. He's back in training now, but he's, he's not. He wouldn't I think with a week's, a, week, a week's worth, a 10 days' worth of training, do you not think it's... He'll have lost so much though over that time. I, th- I think, I think that's yeah. his problem because he hasn't been able to do any fitness work while he's been out. Yeah, I just think they'll be cautious. With I don't him. think Van Dijk. So if he's going to do one, he might do Matip and Gomez. I think they play. But I, I would, I would, I would, I would put my house on Moreno and Klein starting. Okay. Yeah. In, in midfield, I think I think the no-brainers are because he's rested the man one hasn't played Fabinho and Kaito, which already looks strong. I think in his mind he was going to play one of his of this three's established three, and it wasn't going to be Henderson. And I think in dropping Milner initially, I think Milner was in his mind to play this one. It's Milner, Keiter, and Fabinho, and I think he might still. Although still some people would say maybe he either goes, he either goes, goes, I'm going strong, I'm going to beat Chelsea, or or if he goes, no, I'm going to lead cup this a bit. It's Curtis Jones, but I'm not going to be surprised if Milner makes the cut there. I think I don't think he wants to lose momentum. I think I think yeah. Milner. Starts and I, I then I would go ahead of that. I would say uh, Sturridge and Shakiri no, no plus, plus one of the three, uh, and I think Agreed. it might be Mane. I think it might be Firmino because he's played that little bit more, more less football. Yeah, he had that. He had that time off, didn't he? I suppose with the eye injury. So, so you think it'd be for me? Do you think it'd be one of the three as well? Yeah, I, I just I just don't see a, a scenario with Sturridge and Solanke. Or... Well, I just don't see Sturridge and Firmino together unless he's going to play oh, right. Firmino wide. The other one I had in my mind is that he could have played Keita or left of the three and brought Curtis Jones into the field. Yeah. I'm not sure Curtis Jones gets a start, though I'd really like him to. But I've just it just feels he hasn't like been in that the eighteen, little, has he? Yeah. Either. You know, he hasn't had a sniff so far. So Okay. I think I think we'll be stronger than I ex- than I expected when the when the tie was drawn. Okay, I feel as though everyone got to the answer on that one. Uh, broadly speaking, what I had as well, definitely that midfield three. I'd be really surprised if it isn't that midfield three of Fabinho, Keiter and Milner. Uh, and then, yeah, in attack, I think obviously Sturridge and Shaqiri. I do wonder, is, where's Divock Origi's fitness, David? I know you're close to this than I am. Um, he had, it's, he's, Jürgen said in his, his press conference that he's still feeling a little bit something in his ankle. And I mean, I, yeah, I'm not really sure that he'll be involved in terms of starting. Still got Markovic nothing about now. Well, we've got Solanke as well, but I think Solanke's also had an injury recently. Yeah, so. I think he, he played in that under-23s game as well, and he, he said concussion, so he must have just got a knock there. So I, I I don't think either of them will maybe come in to start. I'd be quite surprised. Okay, excellent stuff, excellent stuff. Uh, Ted Quick, who was your man of the match against Southampton, Rob? <laughs> Shakiri for the first 45, I'm going to give it to Shakiri. David? Well, Shakiri got the man of the, uh, the sponsor's man of the match. I saw him got taken through to uh, receive that at the end of the game, so I'll go with them. Okay. It's tough, isn't it? Mm. Um, I actually don't know. I don't know. I thought the fullbacks were good. Um, 
I couldn't hang my hat on anyone really. Uh, not 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 hanging any hats there, Paul Senior. Uh, just bear that in mind if you've got some hats or a hat stand going. Uh, thank you very much, David, to Paul and Robert. It's been the Anfield Wrap this week in association with Reds Bet. Take it easy. The Reds against Chelsea. I love it when the games come thick and fast. It makes the job easier. Sports Social Podcast Network.